Hey, I'm so glad you're here with me today. Jesus is here. He has a word for us. Let's acknowledge him, Jesus. We thank you and praise you for teaching us. Teaching us who you are, your way of living, so that we can prepare to stand before you that day. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your faithfulness. You're so good to us. We thank you that we can always count on you. In your name we pray, amen. He is so good, and we can certainly count on him. He's there all the time. If you asked him to come and live on the inside of you, he's there all the time. He's talking to you all the time. If you're listening, like we talked about yesterday, is actually what he wants to talk about today, is that it's so simple to sit and have conversation with him. And it's just him thinking and then you thinking your thoughts back and forth. And so many people tell me they can't hear him. But, you know, it's not difficult at all because if you sit with him, if you actually sit with him and expect to hear him speak to you, then you can clearly hear him because he wants to talk to you. He's interested in you. And so when you seek after him and you truly want to hear his voice, you truly want to get to know him, he's going to show up. He's going to be there for you. He wants to be there for you. And, you know, that would make him so happy. You know, yesterday we talked about, and we're going to talk about again today, how sad he is. And his sadness is that many are perishing. And really the reason is because they don't know him. Remember what he said in Matthew 7, 21 through 23? He said, not everyone who calls me Lord. You know, lots of times people are just saying, Lord, Lord, have no idea who he is have no idea what he thinks, how he feels, that he's really a person and not just some kind of a um, statue or something that we can just pray to, just treating him as if he's not a person. Really, that's how he's treated. Not everyone who calls me Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, but Lord, we prophesied in your name. We, dro- we drove out demons in your name. And he's going to say, away from me, I never knew you, you who pra- practice lawlessness. So remember, um, notice the part where he said, I never knew you. If you know him, <laughs> you're not going to practice lawlessness. He's saying, I never knew you. You never sat down. You never took the time to know me. Your life was about everything but me. You know, I always um, went to him in everything. And I started to know him as a little girl. I used to go in a closet and talk to him in the midst of the chaos in my house. Um, Our family was crazy. There was always chaos happening. And I used to run to the coat closet in in the front of the house. And I would sit there and be with him. And he would comfort me. I didn't go anywhere else. I went to him because he comforted me. He made me feel better all the time. And I could handle what was happening. And really, that's all you got to do is find a closet to run into. And he's going to be there. He's, he's going to meet you there. 
I gave him that time and I began to know him. And then as I started growing up, I, I told you that to tell you that um, I started forgetting about him when things got a little better. I'd forget about him. But then as soon as I got in trouble, I'd run back to him. And one day he said to me, you are a fair-weathered friend. And suddenly I remembered a friend that I had that was a fair-weathered friend. Whenever she needed something, she'd call me. But if she didn't need anything, I didn't hear from her. Just when she needed something, she'd call me. And that's what Jesus was saying to me. You just call on me when you need me. I felt awful. And I decided I was going to change that. So what he was saying to me is, I need you. I need you to be my friend. I need you to be there for me as well. I want you to want me all the time, not just when you need something. And that's what God is saying to you today. Maybe you're that person that just runs to him. When you need something, he gets it all fixed up. And then you walk away and you forget about him for a while. And, you know, I'm so glad I'm past that time in my life because he's coming soon. I don't know how soon is, but we don't have time to play that game. I don't believe you do. So if you're playing that game with him, like you just run to him when you need something, I think time's up. You better hurry up and get to know him so he doesn't say, I didn't know you. Away from me, I didn't know you. You didn't have time for me. You didn't care about me. Is there anybody in your life that they're only, they only show up when they need something from you? Or they don't even actually like you, and they talk about you, they don't pay you any attention, but then suddenly, when there's a crisis, they're calling you and you wonder why? Reminds me of Joseph. His brothers did not like him. They, they sold him. They put him in a pit. They treated him awful. But in the end, they needed him. They needed him. And you know what? In the end, you're going to need Jesus. Because all of a sudden, it's going to be real to you. You know why you can't see the reality of it now? It's because you don't sit with him. If you can't imagine or can't believe the earth is going to burn, or that Jesus is going to come, if you can't imagine it or believe it, if you think it's foolishness, if you get offended when someone tells you this wild story about them um, getting healed or going to heaven, if that offends you, if you're just so ready to put that person down, it's because really you're cold-hearted towards the Lord. You can't see. And he couldn't even do something like that in your life because you don't trust him. You don't have faith in him. And so you can't see what that crazy person, that person you think is so crazy, can see. That's a difference. You can't see that he's coming, that he's at the door and he's knocking, and he's about to open that door. You can't see that you're about to perish because you don't know him. And if you don't know him, you don't love him, and he's going to have to say, doesn't want to say, Away from me, I never knew you. That's why he's, he, he's sad. He's crying. He's grieving because he knows what's about to happen. Just as in the day of Noah, God knew what was going to happen. Noah built the ark. They watched him. From what I recall, that ark took 100 years to build. And so people had plenty of time. Jesus is giving you plenty of time. 
You know, the next time you are ready to judge that person you think is crazy, like they don't go to the doctor because Jesus heals them and they tell you all these stories that seem so wild, instead of judging them, maybe what you should do is get to know that person and find out. Find out what they know. Find out how they got that close to Jesus that they could receive the miraculous from him. Instead of judging, you know, the Bible says you're going to be judged according to how you were judged. Instead of judging, find out what they know. Get ready. Jesus is coming. He's knocking. He's, he's knocked at my door. I heard him audibly. And you know what he said? As such a gentleman, he said, are you ready? I'm coming. Have you done everything I asked you to do? Did you remember I need favor from you? So often I ask him something and I get so absorbed in myself. And I'm like, Jesus, and he said, you take care of my stuff? I'll take care of your stuff. It's a two-way relationship. It's not just about you. It's about me too. You know, we look at him as God and so many people say, I don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all and he did do it all. He did it all so you could do it all. He lives on the inside of you, so you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He asked you to be a part of his life. He's asking you to marry him, to be engaged with him, not to say a, a fantasy prayer and then walk away and keep on sinning and, and, and thinking that, you know, this time here is the only time you got left and you better hurry up and live your life because then it's going to all be over. It's going to all be over, but what you do here, who you know here, is going to determine your eternity. And, you know, Jesus wanted me to talk about hearing him, and I just want to say, you're hearing the enemy all the time. He's the one who's putting you down. He's the one who, who says those um, degrading things to you in your mind. Corinthians says to take captive every thought and line him up with the word of God. So that is your hint that that is where the enemy comes, into your thinking. And he's talking to you all the time. He's that annoying voice that's constantly saying things to you. Did you hear what she said to you? Did you, did you see what happened? Did you hear what so-and-so did? And you're constantly judging, and, and you're in hatred and jealousy. Joseph's brothers, they were jealous of him. They were jealous of him. And you know, on that day when Jesus comes, you're going to be jealous of those who sought after him because they're going to be welcomed into the kingdom. Don't be jealous. Just get on your horse and do it before it's too late. Don't be jealous. You have every opportunity that any other person has. You can get in the closet and go to Jesus. You don't have to gossip. You don't have to cheat. You don't have to steal, which reminds me of my conversation with Jesus this morning. You know, when you get on your knees, when you get in your closet, wherever it is, when you and you a lot of time for him, just you and him and no one else, and expect to hear him. Lots of times people hear random things, which makes them think, oh, I didn't hear anything. I just heard about that lie that I told last week. Well, if that's what you heard, then that is Jesus. If he's telling you you lied, then you need to repent so that you can open up those airwaves between you and him.
He doesn't fellowship with sin, and lying is a sin. Any sin is a lie, and he doesn't fellowship with liars. He doesn't fellowship with sin. And so you can't hear him. And so if you're asking him to talk to you, and a thought comes to you about that lie that you told, he's trying to tell you it's in the way. Or um, maybe some unforgiveness, gossip. Whatever he said in his word not to do, and you do it anyway, is sin. And when you know to do it, it's called unrepented sin. And Jesus is saying, repent, the kingdom of God is near. The earth is going to melt. It's going to be over suddenly. You're not going to know what hit you. It's just going to be just like that. You know, we're living day to day, day to day, and doing the same thing every day, over and over again, and then all of a sudden, doesn't that remind you of, you know, you, you have this person in your life, and then all of a sudden they're gone, just like that. Here today, gone tomorrow. What happened? They left their body. And then, where did they go? It depends upon how they live their life here. But I said all that to say the suddenly thing. Suddenly, either that's going to happen, either you're going to leave your body and you're going to go one place or the other, or Jesus is going to come in the same thing. And he's going to come. He's standing at the door, Matthew 24, 33. He's standing at the door waiting for the Father to say, open the door. The sin is so great in the, in the world, the pain, the agony. is so terrible, the fear. The enemy has just taken over. And I don't know how much more God can take. He's told me over and over again, I'm coming. It started with, I'm coming sooner than you think. And then he got my attention by telling me it was a great time of testing. I believe I went through that time of testing, and maybe you are too. Great testing. The end is near. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's a couple years. I don't know if it's a couple days. I don't know if it's a couple hours. And people are leaving all the time, so for you it might be an hour. It might be a couple minutes. Either way, if you leave your body or he comes, you're going to stand before him, and you're going to have to answer to him. Did you know him? Did you have that relationship with him? Did you oblige him? Or is he going to say, away from me, I didn't know you? So we started talking about sitting there and listening to him and um, hearing something random maybe. And if you take care of that thing that he confronts you with, if you feel that conviction for that lie you told, we'll just use a lie for an example, if you feel that conviction, if you all of a sudden you just get that icky feeling and you know he doesn't approve of that thing that he's showing you, whether it's a lie or um, maybe a relationship, um, an idol, something that you have before him, whatever it is that you're feeling icky about, it's him saying, you got to get rid of that. If you want a relationship with me, you, ha- you have to get rid of that. And... Um, then when you take care of that, you're going to hear him give you another direction. I remember when I first started, when I committed to him, when I found out if I obeyed him that I could live blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed, blessed, blessed. I had a list that he gave me. Um, 
And I still have a list. He's always telling me things to do. And when you do them, you become closer to him and you can hear him clearly. But if you're not doing the list, if you just disregard it, you're disregarding him, you're ignoring him, and then you're not going to hear him. But when you do what he said, that really is the key. When you let him correct you, Revelation 3.19, he corrects those he loves. When you let him correct you, and you just say, okay, thank you, because I know you're doing good for me, you're preparing me to stand before you, I want to come in agreement with you, then you're going to hear him. But if you disregard his command, you're not going to know him. And then on that day, he's going to say, I didn't know you. And then on that day, when you stand before him, you're going to realize you missed it. And you're going to realize it's too late. This is a time of grace. And soon, that time, you know, this is a season. And we're in a time of grace. And you, you can repent. You can get it right. But once he opens that door, it's too late. That's when you're going to hear, I didn't know you. He said that. He's telling you things to come. If you read the Word of God, it's prophecies telling you things to come, what's going to happen ahead of time. And so you want to hear him because that's what your relationship is about. It's about knowing him. It's about knowing him. you got to know who he is. He, he, you can make him happy by saying, I'm going to spend all day with you today, Lord. I'm just going to look at your word. I'm going to hear your voice. I'm going to ask you to correct me. I'm here for you, Lord. Is there anything you want me to do for you? He's sad because many are about to perish. You can help him with that. You can make him happy. You can make Jesus happy. He's a person. You can make the Father happy. He's a person. We're made in his likeness. He's the Word. You can get to know him by looking at the Word of God. However you look at the Word of God on, on, on your computer, on your phone, your Bible, look at the Word. He is his Word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word is God. Look at him. Get to know him. Learn of him. And as you obey him, John 14, 21, Jesus said, If you love me, you'll obey me. Love is an action. Love isn't always a feeling. It's an action. When you get married, those feelings fade away. But you made a commitment, and so you act the love. Patient, kindness, gentleness, serve. If you love me, you'll obey me. So not if you have feelings for me, but if you care about me. You're going to obey me. And then those feelings will follow. Anyway, if you love me, you'll obey me, and I'll manifest myself to you. He's going to show himself to you. You're going to hear him talking to you. He's going to be there for you. But if you just ignore him, if you disregard his command, on that day he's going to say, away from me, I didn't know you. The five foolish bridesmaids knocking at the door, Lord, Lord, let us in. He said, I'm not acquainted with you. So who were they acquainted with? Who are you acquainted with? Who do you know? Who do you fellowship with? That's who you'll spend your eternity with. And Jesus is sad. And he's giving us plenty of warning. He's heartbroken. Let me remind you. 
Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord does not delay and he's not tardy. Well, I'm going to read verse 8 today. Nevertheless, do not let this one fact escape you, beloved, that with, a day, with the Lord one day as, as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. One way you can look at that is talk about patient. The Lord does not delay. He's not tardy or slow about what he promises, according to some people's conception of slowness. But he's long-suffering, extraordinarily patient toward you, not desiring that any should perish, but all should turn to repentance. He's not coming yet because it's not his desire that any should perish. He's sad. He doesn't want any to perish. But the day the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will vanish, pass away in a thunderous crash, and the material elements of the universe will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and the works that are upon it will be burned up. Since all these things, since all these things are thus in the process of being dissolved, what kind of person ought each of you be? Stopping right there, because I'm thinking... You know, here you are, here we are, thinking about our stuff and what we're going to do tomorrow, this, that, and the other thing. And Jesus is thinking about, when am I going to open the door? How many people can I get to? Who will go for me? He's crying, he's grieving. We're on two different pages. Think about that. While you wait and earnestly long and expect, well, verse 11, since all these things are thus in the process of being dissolved, it, it, it's being, it's in the works. It's, it's going to happen. What kind of person ought, each, person ought each of you be? In the meanwhile, in consecrated and holy behavior and devote and godly qualities, while you wait and earnestly long and expect that hasten the coming of the Lord of, of God by reason of which flaming heavens will be dissolved and the material elements of the universe will flame and melt with fire. But we look at the new heavens and the new earth according to his promise, in which righteousness, uprightness, freedom from sin, and right standing with God is to abide. You know, I just I, I was uh, just thinking about how many people I hear, yeah, I'm ready. I'm so ready. I can't wait till he gets here. And it's so sad because that very person isn't getting ready, isn't telling their neighbor doesn't care if the next person perishes. They're only concerned about them. They're so busy worrying about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, and what they're going to wear. Satan has them so busy, they're not even loving their neighbor. And so they're just thinking all they got to do is think of themselves. And if that's who you are, Jesus can say, I didn't know you. Consider the long-suffering of the Lord, his slowness in avenging wrongs and judging the world is salvation that which is conductive to the soul's safety, even as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to spiritual insight given him. And I'm going to stop there. That was verse 15. Jesus is long-suffering. He's sad while he watches us run around in circles trying to figure out what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, all the foolish things that we're doing while he's planning to come. While he's planning to come. And, you know, all the things that even that we have going on at church that have nothing to do with preparing for our Lord. Are we teaching to prepare that the kingdom of God is near, that Jesus is about to walk 
through the door? Are we teaching how to be ready? Are we teaching our children to get ready for Jesus? Or are we getting them all excited about the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy? They don't know the truth. We're not teaching them the truth. If you should perish before they do, they're going to go on living that lie that you lived. we got a lot to do. We have a lot to do. And it starts with getting on your face and getting to know the one that you think that you want to move in with. Don't take it for granted that you're going to heaven when you leave here. Don't live your life partying and, and doing all the things that you want to do because you think, because you think, because your little mind, your little opinion thinks that everybody goes to heaven, not everybody goes to heaven. If you think that, you haven't written the word of God. If you think that, you walk in ignorance. I'm just going to get it out there. Hosea, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. God said that, my people perish for a lack of knowledge, ignoring me. You're not honoring me. You're not looking to me. You don't even know me. And you think you want to move in with me. He said that to me one day, and it matches Matthew 7, 21 through 23. He said, my people think they're moving in with me one day, but right here and right now, they want nothing to do with me. They don't know who I am. They don't agree with me. And still, they think they're going to move in with me. That is foolish. That is foolish. Think about that. Think about that. You know, so often I hear critical people saying that the Bible is like a fairy tale and silly are those who believe it, but you know the lies that you believe are really the fairy tale. And that is really silly. You can change that, though. You can change it. Jesus is coming. He's coming quickly. And you need to be ready. If you're not ready, you don't get to go. When the bus pulls up, and you're not, you're not there, the bus is going to take off without you, right? When the taxi comes and you hadn't come out, the taxi's going to leave. When Jesus comes, if you're not ready, you don't get to go. So let's acknowledge him. Jesus, we thank you and praise you that you want to teach us your way, that you're so good, and you're giving us all this time. You're being patient and long-suffering with us as you watch so many suffer. So many that need to be raptured out. You wait for those who aren't listening. How amazing are you? Oh, praise him. He's so amazing. How amazing. Jesus, you said in Revelation 13, in Revelation 3, 19, that you correct those that you love, so correct us. Show us the truth. We want to learn your way. We want to be ready. And then you said you're knocking at the door of our heart. And if we're willing to heed your voice, that you would come and live on the inside of us. And we want to heed your voice, Lord. Come, live on the inside of us. Be our God. Teach us who you are. We love you. We praise you and give you all the glory. That prayer is a commitment. That prayer is saying, I want to be engaged with you. I want to marry you. It's not a prayer that you pray, and then um, you think you're going to move in with Jesus. You don't say a pretty little prayer and just think, oh, and even feel his presence. But then you go back to your old life thinking you can do whatever you want because Jesus shed his blood for you, and you don't have to do anything that's not true. If you're going to get married, you got to plan for that wedding. Right? Right. So get real.
<laughs> Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you.